Before the show starts, I want to make an appeal to all you listeners that if you like what you hear on the SRB podcast, consider becoming a monthly sustainer on Patreon. Not only will you help this podcast continue to move forward, you will now get a little something in return. You will join the table of ranks of the SRB empire. For a monthly contribution of $1 to $4, you will be given the rank of Collegiate Registrar and receive an SRB podcast refrigerator magnet. For $5 to $9, you'll be named the Collegiate Secretary and get an SRB podcast shot glass and all the privileges of lower ranks. For $10 to $24, you'll become a Collegiate Counselor and receive a promo code for 30% off of books from the University of Pittsburgh Press and all the privileges of lower ranks. And for $25 or more, you'll be anointed a Chancellor and you will be sent a set of four SRB podcast shot glasses and all the privileges of other lower ranks. Join the table of ranks and help me give you in-depth discussions about Russia and the wider region that you won't find anywhere else by clicking on the Patreon button on seansrussiablog.org. Now on with the show. Вечерком с милой шли вдвоем, а фонарики горели. И при виде их на момент прийти, и сердца наши замляли. Hello and welcome to the SRB Podcast, where in each episode we discuss Eurasian politics, culture, and history. I'm your host, Sean Guillory. A few months ago, Yale University Press sent me Ellen Rutan's new book, Sincerity After Communism, A Cultural History. I quickly became intrigued. What is a cultural history of sincerity all about? And what did after communism have to do with it? What followed was a fascinating analysis of the search for a new sincerity in response to Russia's many transitions since the 1980s, and the way critics, writers, poets, and artists engage with postmodernism, media, and politics to fashion a new sense of sincerity. Ellen Rutan is a professor of literature and chair of the Slavonic department at the University of Amsterdam, where she researches post-Soviet and global contemporary culture, literature and art, design, social media, and memory. She's the author of Sincerity After Communism, A Cultural History, published by Yale University Press. Here's Ellen Rutan. I thought we'd start by, because you have such an interesting book and you're dealing with quite an interesting uh, topic. And I thought we'd start by just having you talk about how did you come to study the issue of sincerity and the search for a new sincerity in Russia? Well, as a student, for me, I think one of the big discoveries of you know studying Russian literature was not only the Russian classics, but also postmodern Russian writers. So Sarokin, Pilevin, Yerafeyev. And I was almost, you know, emotionally also moved by what they did and how, how they dealt with the problem of this very hypocritical language of socialist realism and of the Soviet era. So I really enjoyed reading those books. But then, more or less at the same time, I, I read that uh, Michael Epstein, cultural theoretician, was writing about a new sincerity which allegedly tried to, you know, take things a step further. And I went to um, an inaugural speech by a new professor in at my university, Lisbeth Cortals Alters, who also more or less said that American and uh, French writers were abandoning postmodern writing and uh, adopting a new tone, which was post-ironic. And at first, that simply really moved me. So uh, I remember that it was 
uh, a more or less emotional experience. So I thought, well, you know, as for my research, that's not very useful. But then gradually I began thinking, but, but how does this work theoretically? What does it mean that people say that? And can you actually be sincere after postmodernism? What does that mean? So that's how, how, that's how it started. And so, so what is this new sincerity and what's so new about it? Yeah, so I, <laughs> I, sp I spent, I think, nine years on writing this book, uh, and I still can't tell you. <laughs> or I can tell you even less than when I started, but I guess that's always a good sign. So I don't think there, there really is one new sincerity. I'm, I'm, I'm very keen on saying that in the book, too, but there are many people who say there is, and so it depends on who you ask. All these different people have different ideas and definitions of that term. But together, uh, they do share some, some common features. Uh, this is a sort of debate or a rhetoric which responds to either postmodernism or to our mediatized society in which uh, speakers are saying, you know, writers, philosophers, filmmakers are saying, we still want to be sincere, but the old traditional, you know, 19th century or sentimentalist sincerity doesn't work anymore. Uh, but there is now uh, this new cultural adagium of a new sincerity, which works differently. Is it a, an attempt to be authentic to oneself and also authentic to one's, say, public performance or, or public engagement? Maybe that's one way to put it. That it, it certainly is a... Well, again, it depends on whom you ask. So there are commentators who are very angry about uh, this label and who say, well, the new sincerity is only a very cynical um, term which people use who want to build a career uh, and nevertheless say that they are sincere. But there are others who say, well, this new sincerity is an attempt to be sincere while taking the postmodern insights that we now have on board. So while acknowledging that you're that you always have a public end in view that you're always so there are others who who see this uh, new sincerity more as a as a complex combination of irony and sincerity or of a postmodern take on intellectual expression and the need to um to stay close to oneself so there are many many different ways of phrasing this longing for a novel sincere mode of expression in your book, you, you move back and forth in your discussion of sincerity between inside Russia, so the discourses within Russia, and outside Russia, so mostly discourses in, in, in the West. So how does the problem of sincerity in Russia relate to those discourses outside of it? Um, yeah, that was very important to me because I noticed that there are discussions of the new sincerity, which is then discussed as a universal phenomenon in blogs and articles uh, whose authors in practice only talk about, for instance, American examples, um, whereas I thought, but what about the Russian story? So with the book, I really try to reach out and compare and, and tell Anglophone readers that there's also this Russian story of a new sincerity. So the, the history of sincerity rhetoric in, in Russia and other countries is similar in many respects. But what you see in Russia is that this whole discourse of a new sincerity very clearly responds to social and political transitions, which are idiosyncratic for Russia. So the transition to a market economy, for instance, after the downfall of the Soviet Union, and the ways in which media have functioned in Russia throughout the 20th century. Those are very Russian twists to Russian, I don't know, Russian factors that influence how, how Russophone debates on a new sincerity um, function. Do, do you feel that because of those you know, because in your, your history of 
the discourse of sincerity from, you know, let's say the 19th century, we'll just start with the 19th century and until the present, there are many ebbs and flows. And it seems that when it arises, so when intellectuals are, are posing this question of being sincere, it seems to be connected to certain political moments or certain historical moments in time, um, like the need to be sincere in the 19th century to speak truth to power, for lack of a better term. The move of sincerity in the during perestroika years is a reaction to the feeling of a lack of sincerity be, under the communist system. Um, so can you talk a little bit about those what motivates those ebbs and flows of the discourse? Well, I think in part you rightly say that it's 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 motivated by um, political factors, but also by economic transitions. So you see from the 18th century onwards that as soon as radical transitions take place in uh, the literary field, people start worrying whether author this or that uh, is being sincere or whether she or he uh, he, of course, <laughs> for most of the time, but after some time, also some she's, or whether he is simply saying that he's sincere because sincerity sells. So uh, economic transitions play a role too, and media transitions play a role. So as soon as media use just alter radically, there is often this discussion that new media allow us to share our thoughts more in a more polished way, and then people start worrying is that perhaps is that perhaps an artificial way was perhaps the old the old medium more sincere or more authentic so i guess political economic and, and media transitions are different types of transitions that all fuel worries and anxieties about sincerity yeah and and this this comes to to the bulk of your story which is and you've already mentioned this that there seems to be in the last you know 30 or 40 years the the discourse of sincerity inside and outside russia comes at a moment where people are come, the limits of postmodernism it, it are are kind of coming to the fore you know you point out for example in the United States with 911 there's like a feeling of a death of irony there's even a feeling of a death of comedy and certainly a death of the performative aspects of say the 1990s where i think you know postmodern discourse was probably at its its height in the academy and to some extent in society. So talk about this relationship between postmodernism and the search for new sincerity. How does it manifest itself within the Russian context? I think one thing that for me really mattered in talking about postmodernism and sincerity is first of all as I said this is a very this is a dialectic relationship. So as soon as people start talking about a new sincerity, it always means that they're responding to uh, in most cases to postmodernism to the postmodern paradigm and what what the things that I really wanted to uh, show with this book is that this is also to some extent a stereotype about postmodernism so we always in, in existing studies of postmodernism there's a lot of talk about postmodernism being relativizing playful non-serious ironic whereas if you look closer you see that postmodern writers never really dropped the quest for sincere expression. This is very important in Russia too. They don't simply want to be sincere, uh, and maybe that's new about <laughs> recent attempts at expressing oneself sincerely in literature. They don't simply want to be sincere, but they problematize sincerity, and in doing so, they, they show us that they care for that concept. So it's not just a random object of 
postmodern deconstruction, but something that postmodern uh, writers are very um, are very much engaged with. This is something that I wanted to show in the book, and this matters a lot in Russia uh, because in Russia I think that postmodern engagement with sincerity is a very political engagement. It's very much a response to the Soviet story, a search for sincere expression in a different way than in the Soviet era and in a less direct way. So just to kind of peel this apart a little bit and, and understand it myself. So in the, say, take deconstruction within the kind of postmodern you know, framework. And deconstruction, in a sense, is is a mode of not just undermining, say, truth claim, but it's about trying to, in a way, get to an, a, a more inner truth, right? By breaking down ideas to kind of see the, their genealogical development, to understand the power relationships that, say, give them, you know, tr their truth claim. Um, so the, the, so what you're, what you're saying is that it's, it's wrong to actually think of this as like two, um, distinct paradigms, say the postmodernism and the search for a new sincerity, that they're very much intertwined. Yes. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. Yeah. It doesn't work to completely, I don't know what the English word is, I guess, decouple. Yes. Decouple them. Yeah. So, so what is, so talk a bit about in the, the the late Soviet years, you know, late 1970s, early 1980s, and into the 80s itself, you do get this, within the postmodern framework, you get a search for this new sincerity. So what is it about Soviet life that troubles these artists and writers that to look for some sincere, you know, expression of the self? I, I guess the, the best way to answer that question is to look at this one very concrete text, which was very influential. And this was uh, an... Uh, or the author and his idea about sincerity have been very influential. This was uh, an essay by Dmitry Prigov on what's called a new sincerity. And in, the, in this essay, Prigov directly talked, it was a lecture first, he directly talked to Vladimir Sorokin, so this is his colleague writer. Vladimir Sorokin at the time was already this sort of hardcore postmodern writer. I mean, the term wasn't used at the time, but if we look back now, we can clearly say this was postmodern writing. And Prigov was more or less saying, I understand, uh, Vladimir Georgievich, <laughs> that um, you want to, um, that you are searching for a new way of talking about the Soviet experience because the Soviet experience was so traumatic, because ideology was everywhere, because it was so hurtful to so many Soviet citizens. But the strategy that you're opting for is, is not, is so, how would you call it? It's so serious and it doesn't have lightness to it. And uh, we cannot deny that ideology is everywhere. So it doesn't work to simply turn away. And in that text, he pleads for what he calls a new sincerity. And of course, you know, I always find this bit of the book the hardest to talk about because Prigov is such a fantastic writer because he's so complex and hard to to grasp, of course, he does this in a way where you as a writer are constantly thinking, is he joking me? <laughs> <laughs> That's what you constantly think. And there, there is not a point, uh, I haven't reached that point as somebody who has read that text endlessly, where that answer is, is where that question is answered. <laughs> That's part of the charm of the text. I think this is what's, what's often called the shimmering aesthetics of Prigov. He sort of, he moves into... Uh, well, irony is maybe not the right term, but he keeps distance, but at the same time, he's very engaged. And it's very hard to decide where the writer is in this text. That's, that's actually really, really quite interesting because it, it's, it's almost like 
I guess you're right. Like this is the search for the new sincerity in this text sincere. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And this is this is the discussion that you constantly see um, about the so-called new sincerity. And I I started the book struggling with that and thinking, God, how am I then going to be the next person in this long line of others? Who tried to answer that question and in the end I decided that that's not what I want to do I want to keep that question unresolved whether he's joking us or not but I but I do want to show readers that in any case whether this is joking or not you know let's leave let's leave that question undecided I think that's what Prigov wants us to do um, and let's simply remember that this the concept of sincerity mattered very much to him. One thing that really helped me understand how that worked was uh, I visited Prigov's widow and her son, their son, Andrei Prigov and uh, Nadia Burova, and she told me that his grandson um, had told them that, he, he told her, well, Granny, whenever um, Dmitry plays with me, Dmitry Alexandrovich plays with me, uh, the play is always for real. And that's what his grandson really loved. So... The thing that Brigham is always doing is playing, but for real at the same time. Now, you have this really interesting idea that in, in the perestroika years, the discourse of a new sincerity functions as a therapy for digesting the trauma of the Soviet period, which, which is really interesting because there's a lot of efforts in the perestroika, early perestroika years to deal with all sorts of traumas of the Soviet period, right? The um, The ability to openly... Or, or more openly talk about Stalinist repression, the rehabilitation of figures who were um, repressed in the Stalin period. So talk about this relationship. Talk about the tr- what the trauma is for, for the, the, your subjects and the relationship between trauma, sincerity, and how does sincerity function as a form of therapy? Mm-hmm. Well, what you see after the collapse of the Soviet Union is that one of the questions that many people, but also writers and intellectuals, wanted to deal with was the question, okay, so was this whole Soviet experiment, was it, was it one big lie, you know, was it one big hypocritical failed experiment? And what does that say about our own lives and our own pasts? And then you see that several writers, again Prigov, but also a poet like Kirill Medvedev, many literary theoreticians, uh, as soon as they start talking about the need to be sincere, uh, very often uh, the need to deal with the Soviet trauma pops up. So the need to be sincere is a question that, that is historically burdened, so to say. Um, when, you, when you are trying to be sincere as a filmmaker, an artist or a writer, uh, you constantly have this, I don't know, perhaps you could say this Soviet luggage behind you. Uh, I think the, the main the main point for me also in the book to make was was this thing that as soon as writers and uh, and other creative professionals in, in post-Soviet space talk about sincerity, that Soviet trauma pops up. So very often you see that it's part of the question, uh, what does it mean to be sincere? And it intertwines with discussions about postmodernism. So uh, when writers in Russia are saying, okay, we've now had this postmodern experiment, it's time to, uh, to move to a new writing mode, they very often also ask the question, and what should that writing mode be after the Soviet trauma? So it, in a way, it's a question, I think, a lot of, Russians are asking across the whole cultural political field is is essentially who are we? Yeah, who are we? I guess and and one very simple but illustrating 
text fragment for me was a part of an interview in one of uh, Svetlana Alexievich's books in which she explains that, of course, many communist uh, party officials uh, were very sincere in their striving to to improve uh, social life in Russia. And it's a small phrase, you know, it seems like, of course, many were sincere and then they simply made a wrong choice. But it's important to remember that when you think of, when you want to think about sincerity, that this was happening at the same time. These people were making decisions that turned out to be very dramatic for Russia, also high party officials, but they often did so out of a longing for sincerity. Right, right. And also there's the, there's the notion that in the Soviet period, you live a double existence, right? You live a, a public existence and a private existence and that those two things can't necessarily be well knitted together. So in a way I can see, I can imagine that with the, not only the collapse of the system, but it's kind of, you know, crisis that people are wondering, okay, I've, I've had this kind of, for lack of a better term, double existence. So how do I, how do I put them together or create a new self that's more authentic to who I am. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And then at the same time, these same people, when, they're, uh, when they've had higher education, especially in the humanities, have also gone through the whole, you know, reading Foucault, Derrida. So they, they're already, they already have so much issues with the idea of a stable self and a stable personal identity. So that complicates the quest even more. So what happens in the 1990s? Because there's another shift that you say, like there's there the, the 1980s, late 1980s is dealing so much with the trauma of the Soviet system. And, and that doesn't end in the 1990s. But in the 1990s, it seems a new type of discourse around sincerity comes up related to the economic situation, economic transformation. So what is that all about? Yeah, especially from the late 1990s onwards, uh, you see that more than one Russian writer is beginning to say, okay, you know, this whole postmodern experiment was very interesting. I loved reading Foucault and Derrida, but now I'm beyond that. And now I want to move to a new uh, artistic mode. And some writers call that a new sentimentalism or a critical sentimentalism. That's a term by Sergei Gandlevsky. Uh, others call it a new sincerity. Uh, they don't all talk about the same thing so uh, Gondlevsky is not actively using the word postmodernism but you do see this general shift among uh, several writers who say okay all those things that we cluster under the term postmodern they still matter to my work but I'm searching for a more serious more sincere more direct mode of expression and one very prominent example, this is a writer about whom I talk most in the book, is Vladimir Sarokin. What I really, really enjoyed about writing that chapter, there was a lot of fun to write that chapter, was how Sarokin's critics kept on saying, look, he's only, uh, look what he's doing. He's, he's only uh, uh, trying to make us believe that he wants to be sincere, whereas you know, this is just another postmodern trick. And then Sarokin would write a really extensive uh, letter to uh, a, a major Russian newspaper and write, okay, I'm so sorry that I've led you to believe that, that everything that I do is a, is a deconstructivist trick. But this is not. I really, really uh, want to um, uh, express myself in a different way. You know, in, in the way in which I'm retelling this now, it sounds as if I'm sort of on Sarokin's side but he is a similar case as Prigov. With him, you also keep on wondering. So I found, for instance, one video interview very interesting in which 
Uh, he says things like, you know, I love wandering through forests and touch the trees with my hands. And uh, he's holding a portrait of Tolstoy while he's talking. He says, you know, I want to leave city life and turn away from politics. And I mean, it is a, it's a wonderful interview to see. But then at some point in the background, you see his dogs copulating. <laughs> <laughs> there are often these, you know, he poses as this grand writer in a classic vein. He, in, in the book, I show that, he, that he's almost posing as a sort of new... Tolstoy, as, as Ripin painted him, his portrait of Tolstoy. But just when you start believing it, something happens which makes you wonder. So with Sorokin, for me, it works the same way. I, I, I felt most comfortable as a theoretician. Well, not, this is not about being comfortable, but I mean, I felt I was doing the right thing in a theoretical way when I decided, okay, I'm not going to try to say who was right. <laughs> but it's a wonderful debate to follow. And it says very much about the anxieties that the transition to um, the market economy engendered in Russia. Yeah, you also give the um, well. In take Solrokin for for uh, example. Um, what is it from what you just described? His attempt to be sincere involves this kind of romantic return to the return to nature. I, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to understand what did it mean for him to be sincere. Well, he says several things when he talks about that. So one strand of the the sincerity discourse that he uh, started embracing from the mid two thousands onwards was that of returning to nature, indeed, and turning away from city life. Another strand was that of political engagement. So in his early texts, he would say, "I have no social interest whatsoever." This was a this. Literal this is a literal citation from Sarokin. And then uh, in the 2000s, he starts saying gradually, no, I am actually, I have this strong political engagement. I want to speak up as a, as a civic, you know, as a citizen. That's another strand. And a third is that in his early work, uh, he more or less says, you know, what, what I'm writing is just empty words on a piece of paper. But then later he starts saying, no, these are not just empty words. I'm really looking not for... I'm interested not in the medium, but in unmediated expression. So that's another important line for him. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about this issue of like politics and civic engagement, because in in your tracing of the history of sincerity in Russia, it does appear at it's at least in my interpretation of of what you've written, it appears at moments in which intellectuals feel the need to be engaged, to be a citizen, to be an active citizen, to be civically and politically engaged in the world they live in. So talk about this, this the relationship between that, uh, even in the mid-2000s, it, it comes at an interesting time considering the, the wider context of, you know, the kind of political apathy of um, the the early 2000s, and then the kind of re return of civic engagement in toward the latter part of the decade. So what is the relationship between sincerity and this need or desire to be civically engaged? It's, it's interesting that you asked that, because once I already finished the book, I, I thought, you know, I'm, I'm going to publish... Uh, I'm going to write another article in which I simply revisit my ideas about the Soviet past and, you know, expand it a little bit and that's it. But then gradually I really started digging into this, the political history of sincerity rhetoric. And that's something that I've, that's been very satisfying in the past months. And literally today I've been exploring, for instance, texts by Nadia Talakonikov and Alexei Navalny. So, th so this is already post-Soviet um, sincerity rhetoric, but in a directly 
political vein. And what I find really interesting is that somebody like Nadia Talakonikova, who uh, clearly knows what postmodernism is and who knows about postmodern discussions about distance, distance and relativism, etc., she literally says in her court, one of her court speeches that um, what she is aiming at is real sincerity. So those are the, the terms that she uses and honesty uh, and passion. And the state is hypocritical, but sincerity is higher than cynicism and higher than hypocrisy. So she is clearly somebody who is more or less using that debate of a new sincerity in a hardcore political way. And she's not alone. There are In my book, I talk about that only a little bit. I would have loved to add an extra chapter at this moment. <laughs> uh, um, but I talk about it a little bit. There are also filmmakers who uh, make politically engaged films, bloggers who... And critics of social media, people who write about social media, who say, you see in social media, people use weblogs to uh, help old ladies in uh, nursing homes in Russia, who to help patients who otherwise won't be helped. And this is a new sincerity because they use new media to enact it. Tolokonikov has a slightly different case for her. The media is maybe not the, the main dimension, but there are several, well, both individual activists and political activists and uh, creative professionals who use this notion either simply of sincerity or of a new sincerity to explain that, you know, it's time to act again as a political, as a political uh, citizen. Yeah, Tonda Kolovica is, is an interesting case in this because her use of sincerity is not just in terms of words and political action, but it's also her body itself. I mean, the fact that she stood you know, went to prison for the Pussy Riot incident. It, it's almost like the, the putting her body as an object or, or at least allowing her body to be subjected to, say, prison is also a way of expressing one's political sincerity in her case. Yeah, and in that you, you're almost saying that, that you could even almost see that as a performance, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. somebody like Pavlensky does that too, of course, and he talks about sincerity um, emphatically. Yeah, that's interesting. And this goes back, of course, to the 90s in Russia and artists like Kulik and Brenner who use their body for uh, this very direct uh, form of performance art. Uh, they also talk about sincerity as a key, well, what is the right word? Well, the longing to be sincere in an age in which sincerity is very problematic, that's, I think, a key impetus for them to make the work that they make. And that tradition, uh, I think that Tolokonikova and Pavlensky in inherit that tradition. And, and I think one thing that is very interesting about Tolokonikova is that, I mean, I've, I've said before that both with Prigov and Sarokin and with some other writers, you keep wondering, are they joking me when they talk about sincerity? And what I appreciate about Tolakonikova is that on the one hand, she does that too, with me at least. She talks about it in a way where we always, I always wonder a little bit, what, how does this work and how does it relate to a sort of humor that's always, uh, that you always see when she's speaking? But of course, she is, in one sense of the word at least, she's not joking. She's bloody serious <laughs> because she indeed subjects her whole life and her body and also her body as a mother who leaves her child for a long period uh, to this experiment so she's very serious in that longing for sincerity as opposed to stately hypocrisy now all of this of course is occurring this new sincerity and of the last 15 years let's say is or 10 years is occurring within a context in which we have the internet 
where any user can pose as something else. Truth itself can be manipulated, and we can certainly see this in the last you know year or so or two years with the issue of fake news and propaganda and all of this. So how do Russians address this challenge of sincerity in the digital age? Well, to a large extent, the, the Russians, Russian or Russophone discussions um, about that topic align with discussions about it elsewhere. So both in the US and in the Netherlands and in Russia, uh, you see, uh, and I'm mentioning the Netherlands because that's where I'm based, so I'm, I'm following things closely. So both, both outside Russia and in Russia, you see discussions about social media as either you know, the ultimate locus for sincere expression, because with weblogs and webcams, um, you can show people your innermost home and life and body um, and everything that's physical about you. So people are saying this is the place for a new sincerity, for an unprecedented sincerity. On the other hand, there are people who say online, everything is manipulated, as you say. So uh, social media are the ultimate vessel to communicate fake news. Um, social media are the place where hackers, uh, or digital media in general, where hackers can do their thing. Uh, so social media both generate big worries about sincere expression and claims that now is the time for unprecedented uh, emotional transparency. And this happens in Russia and elsewhere. But one difference that I noticed was that in Russian debates about that topic, about social media and sincere expression, the word sincerity remains very prominent, so the word iskrenost in Russian, whereas in Anglophone discussions about that topic, sincerity is very much alternated with the notion of authenticity, which in Russia has a slightly different history and different connotations. So that's less prominent, that term. And finally, what are the broader implications for this search for sincerity in Russia? What does it, this repeated effort to try to, to realize it? And of course, you know, I should say it's not just in Russia, but in the Russian case, this effort to realize it, say about Russia, the, the issue in Russia more broadly. Well, I don't think that, that we can say that by talking about sincere expression, Russian writers have necessarily set in motion, you know, this one very concrete social or political or economic uh, shift. But what I did find very useful when I wrote this book was that discourses or debates about sincerity were a very useful lens through which to, um, one can understand transitions, political transitions, economic transitions, uh, transitions in media usage. Um, so for me, it's more a lens than, than a discussion which led to something new. I don't know if I make myself clear if I explain it that way. Do you, do you see what I mean? Yes, yeah. That it, it, I mean, the only the words that I would put it in it is it causes kind of a crisis that needs to be worked out in terms of, you know, as, as political systems or economic systems or even cultural shifts, there's a bit of a crisis of, for lack of a better term, authenticity. Yeah, well, yeah, certainly. There is. And, and I think one thing that I've also been doing in my more recent writings, and this is, this is already in the book, but I've thought about it more in the past months, is that um, this, especially the Soviet story about sincerity is a very important story to, to listen to today. 
Because um, when you look, for instance, at the Twitter account of Donald Trump, you see that he's constantly using words like, you know, fake news, false, uh, hypocrites, etc. I think the word sincere is a bit too bookish for him. (laughs) I've (laughs) seen that he uses that a bit less. But words like false, fake, hypocrite are words that he uses very eagerly. And he always projects them onto his political opponents. Um, And and what I found very useful about looking at the Soviet and post-Soviet story um, is that you see that in Russia, historically, sincerity became a very tricky concept. So there was this very risky dynamics between media manipulation, political pressure and uh, sincerity rhetoric, where you saw that, especially in, in the Stalinist era, you had to be sincere and your sincerity had to be measurable. And if you fail to live up to that uh, criterion, you could be put into jail or even be killed. So the historical lesson, I think, that we can draw from that is that it's very important at this moment to keep looking at how people talk about sincerity and how new world leaders talk about it. Because in the past, whether you were a sincere person or not, there have been moments when the answer to that question could be lethal. This is, for me, a very important lesson from the Soviet history. That was Ellen Rutan, professor of literature and chair of the Slavonic Department at the University of Amsterdam and author of Sincerity After Communism, A Cultural History, published by Yale University Press. I'm your host, Sean Guillory, and this is the SRB Podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast and want to help support it, please take a moment to share it on Facebook and Twitter, like my Facebook page, Sean's Russia Blog, write a review, or recommend the show to your friends. The SRB Podcast comes cheap, but it's not free to make. You can help support it by joining the table of ranks at seansrussiablog.org. Thank you to all my high excellencies, high well-borns, and noblenesses for your continued patronage. You can find past shows on iTunes and SoundCloud, or you can download them directly from seansrussiablog.org as well. Until next time, bye.
It's nothing, surely you're happy it should be.